everybody, welcome to Beyond the Shadows. I'm author and ghost historian Mike Bricksecker. Tonight we're going to be talking about shadow people. Yes, it is a subject that we talk a lot about here on, well, this is the Edge of the Rabbit Hole channel, but I will say Haunted Road Media, since this channel is run by Haunted Road Media, we have an entire lengthy playlist out there on the Haunted Road Media channel about shadow people. We've done a number of live stream shows, uh, Primarily on Beyond the Shadows and Inside the Upside Down, we've done a little bit on uh, Edge of the Rabbit Hole as well, like Carl Johnson, um, a few months back, we brought him in to talk about shadow people, so it is, well, I mean, really, it, it comes down to me, it's a phenomenon that I see a lot of uh, while I'm investigating, I see more shadow people than apparitions, and of course, I did just come out with the book, A Walk in the Shadows, so we are in a lot of ways going to be referencing this book and so i did put the uh link down in the description uh for this book i i'm sure quarantine ghost is going to put that uh link in there as well uh for those that are listening to the podcast just go to mikericksecker.com you'll see the book there right at the top of the website along with all my other books and you just click into that and uh, you can find the book there but of course this episode of beyond the shadows is brought to you by a haunted road roast it helps you hunt ghosts so that is our official Hunter Road Media coffee on a road roast. All right. You can find that at hunterroadmedia.com. Okay, so for this time around with shadow people, I know we come back to shadow people a lot. Um, it is, a to me, a very fascinating topic. And on this show a lot lately, what I keep going back to is the connected universe. So I'm not going to throw the graphic up here that everybody's seen here the past several weeks of how the universe in uh, infrared uh, photography that they have done, they have actually seen the strands of energy basically going from like one galaxy to another. It's very, very fascinating. And I believe this is true across dimensions. Of course, when it comes to dimensions, we see the ones that are below, below us, you know, first, second, and third, we're in this one called time, and yet there are other ones above us because we, many of us, are familiar that there are interdimensional beings in, in this universe, and I believe that a quote-unquote true shadow person is an interdimensional being. So we're going to get to all of that here in a little bit. This particular episode, shadow person episode, uh, is about shadow person encounters. You know, a lot of these different things that have happened to people over time with these different types of shadow entities. And we're going to get into a lot of different types of shadow entities. I have it formatted a little bit differently than those like Tom McNicholas down there in the chat that have seen my shadow person presentation a number of times. This will be a little bit different. We will hit some similar topics, but it's just it's formatted in a slightly different way. And we're going to talk about some things I haven't really talked about here before. So let's uh go ahead and bring up the first slide like i said look hey it's different types of shadow people so list right off the bat humanoid figure hat man red and other eyed entities uh the hooded figure the mist the wisp the crawler so this is essentially the first part of the book so the book is in four different parts this is the first part it goes over all these different types of shadow people and you see the fantastic artwork here by Adam Tillery. This was done for the Red-Eyed Entity uh, chapter. So an interesting submission that was uh, 
given to us about the red-eyed entity and you know, that might be going out of order i'll go ahead and, and tell that story here real quick so when it comes to the red eyes is a question that i get a lot is are these you know are all of these things evil and no they're not all evil i'll get the question are they demonic we're going to get to that in a little while the one with red eyes normally is considered one of the more nefarious kinds one that may be considered a bit more evil. And of course, people see the red and that's what they associate it with. But I've heard stories about um, yellow-eyed uh, entities, blue-eyed, purple-eyed. So they do come in different varieties. Uh, White-eyed, I've heard that one recently here. So there's a lot of different other colored eyes. The one most common, of course, is the red. And all the stories I had heard... and including, of course, the red-eyed entity in Edmond, Oklahoma, that we ended up filming for The Haunted, have all been nasty and nefarious. But when I was doing research for A Walk in the Shadows, somebody did reach out to me, and I got a very uh, lengthy email telling the story about this particular red-eyed entity that was peering in this woman's window. She was just working on her computer in the living room, she got up to go to the kitchen, and on on her street, I guess I guess they it's a small area. She likes to keep the windows open or the 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 shades open, blinds, whatever it is she has in the windows, so that she can see out there in case somebody gets into trouble. I guess it's not well lit or whatever. But outside this window was this shadow person looking in. It's supposed to be like this large like bay window. And it's just standing there, staring at her. So she starts to move toward the kitchen. She looks back at the thing. It's still standing there, staring at her. She's like, okay, what is this? So she moves a little bit more toward the kitchen. Turns back. It's still standing there, staring at her. She goes a little bit more toward the kitchen. Turns around. It's still standing there, staring at her. Finally, she gets like right up to the kitchen, turns around, and the thing's gone. So... Very creepy, something staring in your window. It didn't come in. It didn't do anything to her. Yeah, we would consider that an invasion of privacy. But I wouldn't really call that evil. Very disconcerting, yes, we're not used to that. My very first shadow person encounter was when I woke up, I was a kid, I wake. I woke up in the middle of the night and, you know, there's a shadow entity standing in the corner, staring at me. And that is a common report that we get from a lot of people, is it's standing there staring at you. And some people will like to associate it to, like, the watchers. You know, that, that's like a term they'll give it. Uh, these things are, are the watchers. And not always necessarily with shadow people, sometimes with extra, extraterrestrials, or sometimes with other beings that maybe look a little different, maybe even almost like a type of apparition. Your stories about the like a shimmer man or something like that standing standing there staring at you and they're just observing. So it kind of makes you wonder if maybe they don't all, almost have like a certain type of job that their job is observing. There could be a, a variety of different reasons. Now, if we think along the lines of something extraterrestrial, well, then we our minds automatically 
go to, well, they're studying, studying earthlings. You know, they're, they're trying to learn about our race. They're trying to learn about our culture. Maybe they're doing experiments on us, whatever. Why wouldn't shadow people perhaps be doing the same sort of thing from another dimension? With extraterrestrials, we always think like another world. You know, they're, they're from another world. Well, a true, quote-unquote, true shadow person would be that same sort of thing. Not necessarily from a different physical world, like a planet in another galaxy, but perhaps another world as in another dimension that... I don't usually go into parallel universes, but I'll say the dimension would be parallel to what we are experiencing right now. So like the dimension of time that we are in right now, these these things here exist around me, a 3D object. So this this thing exists in the 3D world. I'm in a 4D, so I'm able to experience this thing on a frame of time. It's not really, um, or a plane or a single line. There is a zero dimension and that's just a point, a dot. Um, so all of those things exist together and I don't want to go too too far down the dimensional rabbit hole. We did stuff in interdimensional beings not too long ago. We've done stuff on uh, space and time here recently. So I don't want to go down that too far. We do want to kind of stick to shadow person encounters. And I do encourage people to share their uh, shadow person stories there uh, in the chat as well. So if you if you've had a shadow person encounter, we would certainly like to hear it. Okay. So... I did kind of briefly mention mine. Uh, humanoid figures is always a real easy one for me to talk about uh, because that was my first encounter. Many of you who are watching now are very familiar with that um, because it's it's one that I talk about all the time. Uh, like I said, I woke up in the middle of the night, the thing's standing in the corner. Now, the unusual thing that it did is it actually came up to my bed, leaned over, took my arms by the wrist, crossed my arms across my body, and ran off down the hall and into a closet. Absolutely bizarre. Um, I did try to scream. Nothing came out of my mouth. A lot of people, we can we can get into sleep paralysis later, and I didn't really want, I don't really want that to be a focus of this particular talk, but we will talk about old hag, uh, uh, old hag syndrome here a little bit later. Didn't have any of that going on. It, you don't have to have sleep paralysis and a shadow person experience at the same time. Two different phenomena that can happen at the same time. This wasn't happening with me at that particular point in time. My arms were able to move. My head was able to move to watch the thing run off down the hall. That was my first humanoid figure uh, shadow encounter. Another one that I have in the book is Sean Gilmore. His his experience with a, uh, with a shadow person, a uh, shadow figure that walks into the room. This is really like... The most common type of shadow person that we see, the humanoid figure. And basically, it looks just like us. There's no features, there's no eyes, there's no nose, there's no mouth. It's just all black. It just looks like somebody standing there. This one walked up to me. Um, sometimes sometimes you, they are seen with the hat man. We'll talk about the hat man here in a moment. And whether they're working for him or... They've teamed up. He's a minion. We'll talk about minions here in a little while. Um, we don't really know why. Uh, a lot of this is, I don't want to say guesswork, but a lot of it is kind of speculation. We're trying to come up with 
what we think is a reasonable explanation and see if that fits. And so we'll, we'll try it out in a lot of these different situations until it, it doesn't. And so sometimes it seems like the humanoid figure is kind of working for or acting as part of almost like a gang with a hat man. And so with the hat man, he's kind of the, the next one here in the list. Now he is one that is more uh, nefarious that uh, we have talked about because people will also confuse him with the men in black. We just did uh, the men in black versus the hat man about a month ago. And I understand why, uh, because they do have some very similar traits, but they're two different entities. And I will later on go back and link uh, that particular video to this. But with the hat man, a lot of people, the way they report him striking fear into the victim, quote-unquote victim. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's torturing them or not even that he's necessarily touching somebody like the humanoid figure did me. But his presence seems to instill some sort of fear into a person. They have, I do have reports of them speaking in telepathy. Um, that's actually covered briefly here in A Walk in the Shadows. So there's an idea... This seems to work for the hat man that he may be a type of energy vampire and he's feeding off of that fear and feeding off of that fear. Interesting story here that I heard not too long ago that I did include in the book about a, a group of sisters and the hat man would come into the room and always stand at the foot of the bed of the one sister and stand there and stare at her. Of course she was scared. And the other two across the room would watch this happen. They were also scared, but the hat man wouldn't go over to them. It was, all, it was always by the one girl, the one bed. Wouldn't do anything else, and then would go away. I use this particular example actually as to answer the question of do shadow people follow people? Will they follow you to a, a new domicile if you move, if you change houses? And it seems not. In this particular case, that shadow person did not follow them when they moved. Now, for us to be able to verify that it stayed there would be for us to go to the house, ask the new family if they're experiencing such activity. Um, I, I didn't have all that type of information. Basically, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting the story from the family that experienced the activity and then moved. It would be interesting to go back and find out if the new family was experiencing that. But it appears that you know, maybe the, the hat person, again, I, I mentioned it before, maybe they're kind of assigned, and maybe he was assigned to this location for whatever reason, we don't know. Was he feeding off of that fear to get that energy to do something with it? Possibly. Again, we don't quite know. There, are, It's such an esoteric field that we're not sure of all of these, all of these different traits that they may have. And so there's a lot of different theories out there without a lot of proof. So we do have to be careful about what we're doing here. Um, so we're getting some feedback here. Thank you, uh, Quarantine Ghost. Victoria Monday, I had a shadow person who used to follow me around when I was working for a ghost tour. Uh, I used to be scared to walk around a deserted town at midnight, but he was protective. Interesting. 
that is, that is interesting. So there was one that actually felt protective for you. Well, um, and that's and that is a thing. They're they're not always nefarious. Um, and in fact, with the one that crossed my arms across my body and ran off down the hall, there is an idea that when it saw me, it thought I was dead. I don't know why it would have thought I was dead, but the pose that it put me in, um, people have related it to like the crook and flail that you'll see on Egyptian sarcophagi. And so perhaps it was putting me in that sort of pose. And then when I was there trying to scream again, my mouth opened, nothing came out. Maybe when my mouth opened, it realized that, oh my gosh, it's still, you know, he's still alive and ran off. If he was putting me into that kind of a pose, well, that would be honoring me for my burial. So it it's kind of an interesting concept to think about. And there's a lot of people who just want to like throw all shadow people into the they're all evil, nasty, and nefarious category. And some of them certainly are, but not all of them. We tend to fear what we don't understand. Um so then we have, man, we're getting a lot of stuff in. That's great. Appreciate that. So Cheryl Hussein, because these interdimensional beings are from a different plane, uh, would that possibly be why they appear to be in shadow form, void of any features? That is actually a great question. So um, that is something that I kind of briefly do get into in, in A Walk in the Shadows. Um, talking about two different types of of shadow entities. And I guess I guess I'm going to end up jumping around here a little bit. So I include them on another slide. And that's that's this one. Uh, types of shadow entities, extraterrestrials and time travelers. And you can see here I have human shadows, old hag syndrome, shadow animals, extraterrestrials, time travelers, simulated universe and interdimensional beings. And we're going to get to to some of these throughout the conversation. So I've always thought of this to possibly be the case with ones that are extraterrestrials or time travelers, even interdimensional beings, because of the way that I saw one at Johnny V's, uh, a restaurant in Muskogee, Oklahoma. Actually, even the simulated universe type of idea as well. I mean, it really kind of adheres to anything, any of these things that may be interdimensional or come from a different plane of existence, uh, because they may not be fully forming or fully manifesting into something that we can cohesively see. With the extraterrestrials and time travelers, they may be utilizing some sort of cloaking device, thinking that they are unseen to our eyes, but perhaps they don't completely understand human physiology so that when they're coming here to study, again, we, we tend to, with extraterrestrials, we have, you know, if we wake up and see, you know, an alien standing in the corner of the room, then, well, we automatically think it's here to study us and, and do whatever, uh, to try to learn more about the human race. Well, think about if that extraterrestrial was trying to utilize a cloaking device because they're just starting to study the human race. Perhaps they don't quite understand the physiology of our eyes and their type of cloaking device doesn't completely work for our eyes. You have to keep in mind about how light works. So, with something like a cloaking device, it's not a matter of making the, the object disappear. It's a matter of making that light not reflect back into our eyes off of the object. 
So when I look at something, I am seeing the reflection of light back into my eyes. Light is coming into my eyes. That's how I see something. So off of that box over there, it's, it's, a, it's reflecting brown back at me. This is just straight you know, light coming at me here with these. You know, so that, that's kind of the idea. Well, if that light is, however it's coming off of that cloaking device or whatever is on it, they may not quite understand how my eyes receive that light from it and I'm still able to take some of it in and perhaps it just comes off as the shadow. I mentioned the Shimmer Man earlier. Maybe it's the Shimmer Man. So this could be true of extraterrestrials. They're coming down to examine us and they're using a cloaking device. Time travelers, we don't talk about that a whole lot. But if you think about it, if you're traveling to another place in time from, you know, say 2142, and you're coming back into this time, you may not want to be seen by the current populace. So you might try to utilize some sort of cloaking device Again, doesn't come off quite the right way, and I'm still able to kind of see it. It does sound a little redundant, but you can apply that for a number of different types of scenarios. And so those are a couple right there. It's a good question. So then we have Rosella C. Rowe. I saw a shadow person at the top of my stairs in my old house three days after bringing home my newborn baby. It saw me and shuddered, it then turned and ran down my stairs uh, as it ran anticipated. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, there are times where it seems like we scare it. So that is, that is really interesting. That is an example of how we sometimes actually scare the shadow person. And thank you for sharing that. So... You know, I have an experience at a restaurant called Johnny V's. Now, I've told this many, many times. It's my example of a quote-unquote true shadow person having that interaction with something that is on another plane of existence. <clears throat> and I use it for a variety of different reasons. So we're finishing up a paranormal investigation. And there's a couple of people up in the bar area, a couple of people out in the restaurant area toward the front. I'm walking into the kitchen through the main doors. I'm just doing a last photo sweep, trying to get some uh, pictures. I walk into the kitchen, and all of a sudden, I see this thing just take off across the room. And you hear it, boom, slam into this flimsy metal door that's on the side. It's, it's basically one of those doors that waiters and waitresses are going to like back up into with large trays of food. You know, Very easy for them to come in and out of. But the door didn't move. Now, first off, the, the example here that this was like, you know, it just turned and ran down her stairs. She's coming home with the baby. I'm not sure why I would have been scared of her and the baby, or maybe it was a bad memory. You know, if this was some, um, some shadow people are human spirits. So maybe it could always be the spirit of, I don't know, maybe a, a young woman who had lost a baby saw, um, saw Rosella with the uh, with the baby and just got upset. And she says it shuddered and took off. So could have been an upset spirit. Um, but with this particular experience at Johnny V's, it was like I scared it. I walked in and the thing took off. 
So a lot of things I think happened here. One, I think it could very well have seen me as the ghost. If it's, I believe it was on its own plane of existence. I was on my own plane of existence. And I have a graphic for this, but I'm not bringing it up right now. You can go back to some of our older videos that show it. Um, but for some reason, our two planes were crossing at that point in time. I've referred to it as an echo before. Um, you know, somehow these two things are, are merging at the same time. So it saw me. I saw it. I'm just amazed. This thing, he, she, it, whatever, got scared, ran off, slammed the door. And perhaps on its plane of existence, that door blew right open because it ran right through it. But I didn't see that happen because on my plane of existence, it's it, it's there's nothing moving through there on mine. I'm just like seeing a shadow, pun intended, of this event happening. But sound is on a different frequency. It's on a different wavelength. So I was able to hear that action happen from its plane of existence into mine. So very, very interesting phenomenon that happened there with that particular thing. And I, I like that Rosella was also able to see um, this sort of thing happen where it just, it took off on her. So that, that's interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so then we have Christopher Stanton. So my son-in-law, who is a tall person, um, so I was making my way back to the kitchen and I thought I saw him walk by the indoor patio that connects to the garage right to the left thinking it was him, but it was not him. He was upstairs, not downstairs. Um, so that's either, I, I'm not sure here if you saw a shadow or if you saw a person. So if you could kind of like define that a little bit better as to what exactly you saw. Did you see a shadow or did you actually see a person? You know, I don't know if this is like a, a doppelganger type of a, uh, of a story here. I do have some theories on doppelgangers um, that are a probably a little bit different and they have to do with, with time. Um, so if you're going doppelganger route, let me know, and we'll talk about my theories on that. If you're thinking it's just a, a shadow, um, you know, then, I mean, it very well could have been a tall shadow. So, you know, shadows, people try to like throw all these different types of heights out on, on shadow people that, you know, they're seven, eight, 10, 15 feet tall. It's, I, I've never seen a shadow person that tall, you know, a, a lot of shadow person reports, come with people in bed um you know, of course not always there are a lot of others but i do get a lot of reports of people in bed and they're like who was a tall shadow person well you're in bed so you're kind of looking up at it that distorts your your perception of how tall someone may be that story when i was a kid to me it was a tall human figure i'm thinking an intruder somebody's in the house that's going to kill me but of course it was tall. I was a kid. I was young. And, you know, this thing was standing over there. I'm kind of looking up at it. I mean, Christopher, you would have been an adult. He obviously was an adult if he was that tall. But still, it's, you know, we have some different, you know, perceptions based on angle and things like that. So I, I don't think really very many of these shadow people are like 15 feet tall. Um, but they, they can be tall. I mean, um, I've heard anything from like short squat shadow people the minions we'll get to that here in, in a little bit um 
to ones that are, you know, six and a half feet tall. So they're, they're of a variety for sure. Um, Grand old folks, Betty Lange, do you think the early cultures knew about dimensions like as above, so below, heaven, hell, believe? I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the ancient cultures are where we get those things. Um, as above, so below is uh, hermeticism, so um, I wouldn't necessarily call that, you know, ancient. Um, that was more Renaissance era, right? Hermeticism. But, but even then, they were going back into old texts and old ideas and kind of reinvigorating those ideas. So those, those ideas have always been around. You know, the reflection of what's, what's here on earth is the same as what's in heaven or, you know, that other, that other world, that other, you know, part of the universe. Um, those ideas have always been around. Um, the idea of heaven, hell, that sort of stuff. Um, you know, if, if you're talking about like, you know, there, there have been underworld concepts um, around for, for thousands of years. So that's always been with us in, in relation to shadow people. So if we get into, I'll bring the slide up here again real quick. Uh, old hag syndrome. So this is something that I do um, like to point out. I have a very specific slide in my presentation out at the, uh, the Paracons, which we're not having right now, unfortunately because of all the COVID and everything. Uh, old hag syndrome, uh, these are reports that go back um, thousands and thousands of years into, into ancient world history. And I'm actually going to flip to it here in the book real quick. Because I have a, uh, a list here. It is a very partial list w within the book. And you're not really going to be able to see it so well, but there's on this side. There's a partial list, and it goes on to the next page, of uh, World Night Hag legends. So basically for thousands of years, cultures from all over the world that never met each other, didn't know each other from anybody, uh, were reporting the same type of phenomenon. Of course, they each called it something different, and they each had their own legends behind it, but they were all reporting, you know, um, whether it was a hag or a ghoul or something like that, somebody's waking up, seeing this on their chest, sometimes you know, in the room or next to the bed, mostly on the chest, that's pressing down on them. It gets related a lot to sleep paralysis. Sometimes sleep paralysis is involved. Again, not always. Um, there are reports of uh, people who have experienced the old hag on their chest and we're able to completely move. In fact, um, Eric Gerard has a story that's included in A Walk in the Shadows where he woke up in the middle of the night with the hag on his chest. It did look like the hag. Uh, Adam Tillery has a fantastic illustration in there of it. And Eric was actually able to physically move this thing because it was, it was on him. He wasn't paralyzed. He basically took this thing. He felt the shoulder, threw it off of him onto the floor. He ended up rolling off the bed with the thing. They both smacked to the floor. But then when he lifted up his head to see where it went, because he's like going to go after, hey, who the hell is in my house? Who was sitting on top of me? Gone. Uh, but he was actually able to feel it and move it off him, throw it off of him. Um, but, but again, th this is a phenomenon that's been around for, for thousands of years. 
all kinds of cultures have reported it. They've all named it something different. Um, whether it was, they called it, um, you know, some of the words, and they were like Amudadori, uh, Fayam. These are like words from different cultures. Um, but they would mean like witch riding or, you know, the, some people did call it a demon or, you know, the dark presser, uh, you know, all these different types of terms that they used for this type of phenomenon. And it is related to a shadow phenomenon because sometimes, you know, it would be a shadow, um, you know, or people would see a shadow figure and then this would be happening to them, but they then would relate it to the old hag or the, uh, or the pressing down upon them. Now, one that's really interesting. So I do have um, shadow animals in there as well, um, but I included it as one of the... Um, uh, as part of the old hag stuff, it's because it's in the sleep paralysis section of the book. <clears throat> and um, what it, what happened was this woman woke up in the middle of the night and what was on her chest was not a hag, was not a ghoul, it was a dire wolf. Can you imagine waking up in the middle of the night and seeing a dire wolf on your chest? Of course, she's screaming, thrashing, trying to get this thing off of her. Um, she says that she was sort of paralyzed because the thing was big and heavy and pressing down on her but she was like physically trying to move and get out from this thing her husband wakes up and you know he sees his his wife thrashing around he, he doesn't see you know the uh the direwolf per se he's not really sure what's going on with her he throws on the light and again he doesn't see the wolf she still sees the wolf what he saw though were the paw prints of the wolf pressing down into her shoulders. So it's really crazy. It's really bizarre. To me, it's fascinating for a couple of reasons because here is a witness to this happening. You know, A lot of skeptics will say, well, this happens alone. You're having a bad dream. You're hallucinating. The medical community loves to go into the whole hallucinating thing. He's seen something happen to his wife, and while he doesn't see the wolf, he is able, able to see the impressions of the paw prints. Megan Talbert has a story in here as well of she didn't actually see the shadow person that was there. She was experiencing the sleep paralysis. Her partner at the time woke up in the middle of the night. He actually saw the shadow person there. He was wondering what was going on with her. Um, he knew that she was in distress. She couldn't move, so she couldn't really say what was going on. But he had actually seen the shadow, so he witnessed what she was experiencing. Now, was this one of those situations in which the shadow was trying to, to feed off her, trying to do something? We don't know. We don't know if the shadow was actually what was putting in her, trying to put her in a sleep process. It's a common question I get. I always say that there are two different phenomena that can happen at the same time, but is there a little bit of where they could make you have the paralysis? I'm not sure. I think that comes into the fear thing. There's part of there's, there's part of it that goes into fear. There's part of it that's a natural sleep paralysis phenomenon. I think people try to compartmentalize this is always what's happening. It's like, nah, that's not what's happening. Something that I do believe uh, what happens here is... You know, we're, we're woken up in the middle of the night. A lot of times with the sleep paralysis stuff, we're woken up in the middle of the night by something external happening. And when it is true sleep paralysis and you're, you're waking out of it, 
there is part of your body that is still asleep physically while your brain is now awake. Sleep paralysis is a real thing. What I think happens here sometimes is that you're experiencing sleep paralysis because something woke you in the middle of the night. And in a way, it's the shadow person, but not the way they're they're saying. It's not, it's not a hallucination for one. And I don't necessarily think in this case that it's, you know, the shadow person doing something to make it happen other than the fact that they're the one that woke you. People who have been parents can understand this concept. When your child comes into your room in the middle of the night because maybe they've had a bad dream or whatever, sometimes that child is hesitant and kind of scared to wake you up because they think you might get mad that you're waking them up in the middle of the night. They're not sure what to expect if they try to make if they try to wake you up in the middle of the night. So they stand there at the side of the bed and kind of stare at you for a little bit. There is something about the presence of that person, probably their energy or whatever, you know, you, you feel that presence of the child standing there and you wake up anyway because the child's standing there staring at you because you felt that presence. So I think what happens here is that these shadow people are standing there at the bed, staring down at you. You're able to feel their presence. You wake up and sometimes, just because of the, the nature of sleep paralysis and the way it works, sometimes you wake up and you're in paralysis mode. And oh shit, there's this, this shadow standing by the bed and now you're scared because you don't know what that is. Again, could be an intruder. You know, somebody's in your room that's about to do something nasty and nefarious. You're not automatically thinking shadow person. So I think it's that presence that is waking us up in those cases. So, um, all right. So I know you guys have a lot coming in and thank you, Quarantine Ghost, for sending them my way. And, um, oh, you guys are subscribing to the newsletter. Awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, MikeRicksecker.com and HauntedRoadMedia.com both have newsletters. So uh, thank you for, uh, I guess, Quarantine Ghost is putting it out there about that. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, Victoria Monday, Mike, could your shadow person been like a helper worker cohort of the Grim Reaper? So this is a common, common misconception with the Grim Reaper. I get this a lot. I actually just had this on Sunday when I did that, uh, paranormal day quarantine con, uh, with Courtney Morak. So she, she kind of asked the, the Grim Reaper question. I can't remember exactly how she worded it. So Grim Reaper is not a shadow person. Um, when I cover the, the hooded figure in here, I talk about that. Uh, it's because he's dark. He's dressed in black. He looks like a hooded shadow figure. But that, that's not what he is. He's, he's uh, a psychopomp. So he's basically a, a guide. We don't really think of him as a nice type of guide because he's associated with death. Um, and he basically guides the soul into the afterlife dressed in black, he has a scythe, he doesn't look like a nice guy, but really, he's just doing his job, and his job is, has absolutely nothing to do with the shadow people phenomenon that, you know, that we're familiar with, he's just, he's just there to help you across, <laughs> you know, I know that, that just, it sounds a little weird, it's not the image that we have, but he's just, 
He's just doing his job. It's kind of like a lot of times when they show the depiction of uh, the ferryman across the River Styx, right? They usually, they almost show him as the Grim Reaper, even though he's he's not, he's a ferryman. Um, and that's where we get the idea of put the coin in uh, to the mouth of the corpse, that old tradition. So you have the coin to pay the ferryman to go across. But a lot of times he gets depicted as a Grim Reaper type of a person. But all he is is just, you know, he's rowing the boat. <laughs> so kind of the same thing with the Grim Reaper. He's just kind of like taking your hand and walking out the door. And yeah, he's yeah he's actually not a shadow person. But I understand, um, I understand why that question uh, comes into play. Um, the one that crossed my arms and and ran off down the hall. Um, the more I think about it, the more I. Th- I think that there's a possibility of uh, time travel involved in there. You know, if if that idea, that concept is correct, that it thought I was dead and it knew customs from ancient Egypt and was trying to put me in that sort of burial pose, maybe it was some sort of time traveler. It, that's really speculative. I, I I don't have any proof to go off of with that, but... It's an idea. Uh, Candy Orton right there. Mike wears black all the time and he's not a bad guy. That's right. That's right. I, I pretty much wear black all the time. This show. Well, I've been wearing the black jacket a lot lately. I got the, the black the black hat, the black trench coat, which is now like a grayish brown. I've had it a long time. I need to replace it. Um, I do wear a lot of black, but yeah, I'm a nice guy. Thank you. Thank you, Candy. I appreciate that. <laughs> um... So, Murtaza Arif, from my experience, can the Hatman also be connected to short entities wearing Viking helmets with sharp horns walking out of cupboards? Wow, that's interesting. Because um, I haven't heard of these short entities wearing Viking helmets with sharp horns walking out of cupboards. Now, I do have uh, one of the other slides here. Shadow gnomes and shadow minions. So there is a chapter in the book called the WTF Shadows, uh, you know, what the fuck shadows, because there are some shadow entities that you're just, they're, they're weird, they're odd, they're bizarre, they're, they're strangely shaped, you have no idea what in the world they are. Um, the one is of this, it's like this moon type head that it almost had, but the way she described it seemed like it was kind of gnomish. You know, that sort of height, small, but it just had like a really oddly shaped head. Um, so there is an idea of like some shorter uh, shadow entities that may be related to, uh, to to gnomes. People say gnomes are a type of fairy. I'm not going down that route. I believe gnomes and fairies are two different things, but um, that's a story for another day. The shadow minions, um, I kind of talked about that with... Uh, humanoid figures that kind of flank the sh- the the hat man coming into a room they would almost be like his minions i don't know if you call them bodyguards or helpers or whatever they're they're there with him to do whatever we don't know but there is an interesting uh story of shadow encounters at black bear church out in olive township oklahoma now this is where i've seen the crawler and that was a very crazy wild experience with the crawler um you know came down into the basement area where we were at, started 
basically whipping around the room, knock stuff across the floor, um, that sort of stuff. We had already known about the rumor of the crawler. That had been there for a long time. There were some ideas about possibly it was conjured there. We saw some scant evidence that maybe some sort of ritualistic work was done there. Again, it would be speculative. But if it did happen, we saw where it would have happened, I guess is kind of the right way to say it. And that would have been people coming there after the uh, church was abandoned. It was not the churchgoers themselves. But there are stories that, along with the crawler, there are other shadow entities there that people have seen and witnessed that come up to the windows of the church. And you can look out those windows and you kind of like, yeah, do I see something there? But people, other investigators, have talked about seeing these things. The idea is that the interior of the church is the crawler's domicile. He's the head dude. He's running the show. The shorter shadow entities stand the outside. When the crawler's in-house, they will come look in the windows and peer in and just kind of, I guess, be creepy. And maybe they worship the crawler. We're not really sure. One of the things I've heard about these shorter shadow minions, for lack of a better term, is that um, when people have driven away... Um, like they, I guess they've chased people off to their cars, for one. Um, they have scratched the cars, put put fingerprints on it, almost kind of like the whole handprint story with Gravity Hill. But this is actually, I mean, it has nothing to do with Gravity Hill, but it, they've, they've seen, like, fingerprints, claw marks, stuff like that on the cars as these things are running after the cars, chasing them off. Interesting stories. Um, but those would essentially be a shadow minion of the crawler, and it, they're almost like guardians of the ex exterior of the church while the crawler rules the inside um i've experienced the crawler so i know the crawler is there the the shadow minions i haven't really seen those there but there are a lot of stories from other investigators that have seen them there it's interesting stuff um betty lang grand old folks do you feel many shadow people move so fast our eyes don't pick them out there are ones that move very very fast one of johnny v's just kind of flew across the room just darted real fast the crawler was very fast like i just described so yes some of these things move very very fast um there is an idea that the reason why they move so fast if we go back to the idea of um some of these being, let me bring that slide back up, some of these being time travelers, if they are coming here from another uh, place in time, or even, I guess, from another dimension, that um, time may be working for them at a different rate of speed than it is for us. So, therefore, when we see them, they're moving extremely, extremely fast. They're just whipping about because the... The way time is working for them at that moment is very different than it works for us. And that may be because if you think about it, okay, um, if their dimension is echoing with ours and each dimension has its own type of properties, if they're coming to us from like the fifth or sixth dimension or what have you, they're above time. We've gone over space, time, tesseract idea i'm not sure i completely buy into the idea of a tesseract because basically it cre it, it gives a model of that 
of time being 3D. Well, you're just taking a 3D object and putting it on top of more of other 3D objects that we already do know exist. So eh, maybe, maybe not. But in any case, they're above time. They're not trapped within the confines of time like we are. So if they're able to move from one moment in time to another and not be restrained by that, then they could move extremely quickly uh, from one point to another. And to us, it could just come across as a blur. Um, so yeah. Um, see, what else do you guys have? You guys have a lot of good stuff in here and we're, we're already 48 minutes into the show and I haven't even gotten to everything I actually wanted to talk about. So, <laughs> um, Mertaza Arif, question, is there something about being near kitchens and glass doors that attract these red-eyed entities? Also, from my experience, rainy thunderstorms may have a connection too. Thunderstorms definitely kick up paranormal activity in general. Um, just for an example, real quick, uh, investigating the 101 Ranch, the old white house in... Um, Andrew Cox, you're familiar with it, by Ponca City, Oklahoma. Um investigating out there one night nothing's going on nothing's going on nothing's going on it's pretty dead we go and uh we head up to the service station grab some snacks get something to eat real quick while we're up there all of a sudden a uh, storm blows right through it's you know raining like crazy the lightning's going all that stuff we waited out we go back to investigate and we're just getting paranormal activity off the charts you know we're chasing stuff around the basement that went up to the first floor we're hearing uh you know like native american drums beating from the tree line and then we're seeing these uh glowing balls of lights up in the trees it, that was it was wild so yes uh storms just automatically kick stuff up they, they basically charge the atmosphere and it gives the the entity something to you know pick up some energy on and be able to utilize uh, the other half of that, um, being near kitchens, glass doors, they attract red-eyed entities. I, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that the. Um, it's, it's kind of compartmentalizing that you know if it's if it's near a kitchen or 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 a door or a window or whatever, then it's going to be a red-eyed entity or you know red-eyed entities want to go near those. Um, the girl Tallison and her family in Edmond, Oklahoma, Dosmond, that, uh, Dosborns, that, uh, that we helped for the case that was on Animal Planet. She, yeah, she primarily saw the thing in her closet, but also saw it in other locations in the house and other members of the family also saw it around the house. So yeah, it's not confined to one particular area. It was confined to the house. Um, but, you know, we pushed it out of the house. But, yeah, it wasn't confined to one specific area. So, um, Kathy Salento, have other people experienced paralysis during an encounter with a shadow person? If so, could that be the shadow person causing it? Um, yeah, I, I really just, I really don't think it's the, the shadow person causing it, except for that, like, their presence is felt. It kicks you up out of it. I mean, there's, I think what happens is we fear what we don't understand. So it, there is a sense that like a small degree of it's causing it because it's striking a fear into us because we fear things that we don't understand. I mean, you're, you're, you have an intruder in your room, you know, um, 
a lot of people see these things that get scared and then, you know, feeds off that fear, that sort of thing. Um, so in that sense, it could be causing it. I don't think that, I guess what I, I mean to say is the shadow person doesn't have magical powers to put a paralysis spell over you. I don't think that's happening. But I think it, it if it is there to feed off of you, if that's the idea that it's an energy vampire, or at least some of these, that it knows enough to put you into, that it can induce a state out of you um, just by standing there staring at you that um, if its presence will wake you and upon waking, if it can, not every time, but a lot of times put you into that state of paralysis because of, because of the way you're waking up. And then all of a sudden you see it and you are afraid because it's there, you can't move. You know, naturally you're going to have a, a fear response and then it's able to, to feed off of that. So I think it can induce it, but it's not like casting a spell over you, I guess is what, for lack of a better term. Um, so, um, Victoria Monday. Could shadow people be the essence of someone alive who's thinking of you? Like when you dream, walk, travel into others' dreams. So like, it's almost kind of like astral projection. Hmm, that's an interesting idea. Could some of these shadow entities we see be astral projections? Hmm, maybe, maybe. I hadn't, I hadn't really thought of that so much other than... Um, yeah, I do think some shadow people are human spirits, but not so much that. I guess I've thought of this in the sense of like time travel. Um, what you're saying would be more of, of when I've thought about it, I've thought about it in like time travel or um, or extraterrestrials or that sort of thing. So astral projecting, I mean, maybe. May, maybe some of these are not necessarily time travelers, but astral projectors that, that come into your room. Um, and maybe they come off as a shadow. Others come off as a shimmer, um, that sort of thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that's possible. Quarantine ghosts, you stumped them. No, I just had to think about it for a minute because I hadn't had that kind of question before. So, yeah. I'll make a note of that. So are some of these astral projection? That's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting idea. It's a good thought. Um, I do want to get to, I'm going to get to... Um, some more of these uh, questions, but I do, because I threw some other newer stuff in here. Um, the, the Shadow Tulpa and Washington's Shadow Entity. So, um, the Shadow Tulpa, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cover that in, I'm doing a Tulpa video here soon. And that one's kind of interesting. So, I was reading the Mothman prophecies, and at the very beginning of the book, um, he actually references Hans Holzer and um, some other investigators in a haunted location in New York, which was owned by the guy who used to write The Shadow. The Shadow knows, you know, that guy. Um, and as it turned out, a lot of what they were reporting as the entity that was haunting the location was basically... You know, what he wrote as as the shadow, <laughs> you know, um, all the different characteristics of his story that he had created that he wrote there in that uh, in that house over and over and over again. Um, it was essentially the shadow, and here here's the spirit. 
that is mimicking the same behavior. So, you know, are, you know, could some of these um, shadows that we experience, or at least that particular one, um, actually be some sort of thought form tulpa that has been created by somebody who previously lived there? Um, it's an interesting idea. I just kind of threw it out there for now. It's one I'm going to be mulling over. I'm going to include it in a upcoming tulpa video because I think it's an in intriguing story, um, an intriguing idea. Washington's shadow entity, I wanted to hit that one real quick. So that one, this one gets talked about by um, by the alien guys. It could be the ancient alien guys. Sometimes it's the more modern alien guys, but it gets brought up as a um, possible alien encounter for George Washington. Basically, he had a vision, and this, um, you know, this woman appeared to him and gave him, what was it, like four different um, visions of the future for the United States of America, basically letting Washington know that, uh, the, you know, the United States was going to live, it was going to thrive, what what he was doing there in the Revolutionary War, because this is when he was a general, and they were fighting the revolution, um, basically letting him know that America was going to become a great nation, but also, you know, displayed all these both good and bad events. There were some major tragedies that were going to happen for the United States, or there were some major conflicts that they needed to overcome and get through. But in a sense, it was also telling Washington, hey, your nation's going to become great. These are these other larger things that are going to, to come. But in this story about this woman, I mean, we really don't know who she was. Some people try to say she was an alien or whatever with this knowing the future. Some, some say she was a time traveler. Some say she was an angel no idea um but she had a helper her helper who was revealing these different things that were happening basically she was telling the story her helper was revealing the stuff that was happening that particular helper was a shadow entity so it's interesting. It's it's something I'm going to dive more into and learn more about. I just find it extremely interesting. People always like to go down the route of, you know, all shadows are the most evil of all evil things and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, well, here's this, you almost call her an angel of light. She was supposed to be very beautiful and, you know, had a lot of you know, characteristics that she had light coming out of her, you know, all these different things. And she's telling all Washington about all these great, Things that are going to happen with the United States again, some you know tragic, and they would have to deal with conflict and all that. But basically, telling Washington what you're doing now, keep doing it, because America is going to become a great nation, and it's a shadow entity that is revealing the different things. <laughs> so, I find that very interesting. <clears throat> so, we'll check that out some more as we go along. I'm going to take a couple more questions and then uh, we'll finish up here. So, um, Candy Orton, Mike, have you been to Edinburgh Manor in Iowa? There are some reports of shadow figures there. Uh, yeah, I've heard some of those stories. I haven't been there yet. Um, hopefully I will one of these days. Jill Nemchinsky, are shadow people known to talk? So, I do have a chapter in the book called um, Anybody Listening? And it is about the kind of quote-unquote talk communication of a shadow person. Uh, they don't have a mouth. So they don't have a auditory 
verbal way of communicating with us. So the way they do, if we hear the voice of a shadow person, is through some sort of thought transference or telepathy. So I have a, a couple of quick stories uh, in there about that. What's interesting about this, and it's, it goes, <laughs> it goes with the universe. So it never, it used to like never come up. Now I've been talking about shadow people for years and years. Um, but it never came up until a couple years ago. I'm giving a presentation at Ocean State Paracon, Harrisville, Rhode Island. It's almost three years ago now. And um, I get to the Q&A. And from all the way in the back, I hear this. So, you know, do shadow people have voices? I recognize the voice. And it's Carl Johnson. I'm like, it's, is that Carl? I'm kind of stalling a little bit because I, I had never gotten that question. I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> Somebody just asked me if they had a voice after all these years. Um, I had to think about that for a minute. So ever since he asked me that question and I started looking into it a little bit, people started giving me more stories about hearing the voice of a shadow person. Could be a hat man, could be humanoid figure, whatever. And all of those stories have to do with some sort of telepathy or, or thought transference. So that would be the way. Um, all right. And then uh, grand old folks, Betty Lane, Mike, do you think that shadow people sightings stay with you forever or leave their mark on you? Well, I mean, it certainly did me. Um, some people report seeing them uh, very, very often that they have many encounters like almost on a daily basis. So they don't necessarily remember every specific encounter. They they remember some of the more memorable ones. Um, and that's kind of the way it's related to me when, when they talk about those. They're like, yeah, I see this thing all the time. And they tell me some of the more memorable stories. Um, when I go out on paranormal investigations, I see, a, I'm not saying every investigation, but I've said before, I've said many times that I see more shadow people more shadows and apparitions. And um, I can't remember every shadow that I've seen, you know? So, I mean, again, I kind of remember some of the more memorable ones, but not all of them. Um, I would certainly never forget my first shadow person experience. I'd never forget Johnny V's. I would never forget Peeping Tom in my doorway when I was 13 years old. Um, some of the ones at um, Stone Lion Inn, you know, um, a lot of different locations that, that I've seen shadow entities and some are going to be more memorable than others. Cause there's, there's sometimes you're out there and you're like, I think I just saw, you know, a shadow dart across the hall, or I think I see some shadow play over there and it might be a shadow person. Uh, but you're not going to remember every single one of those particular moments. The, the one at the Campsville grade school that I caught on film did not see it at that time. Didn't, I mean, we're, you know, we, we knew that there was stuff going on across the gym. It kept going back and forth, back and forth. Caught it on video. So it's a memorable moment to me now because I caught it on video. It wouldn't have been otherwise, you know? And honestly, when we were sitting there, I mean, I do remember sitting there, um, but it in itself wasn't a memorable investigation moment until the footage revealed that. So, um, so yeah. Yes and no. <laughs> um, all right, everybody. 
I think that's about it. I think uh, quarantine ghosts, are those all of the questions? I think so. I think that was, yeah, because I'm scrolling through and that's all the stuff. All right. Um, let's go ahead. This channel is a regular double Tuesday. Yes, live stream. Hunter Road Information has, uh, Hunter Road Media has information there. It teaches you a lot. So, yeah, so, um, so Betty brings up a good point. I do have an entire list of, uh, playlist of shadow people videos out on the Hunter Road Media channel. So um, if you want to get like the specifics, like with, with all the, you know, slides, graphics, all that, all the details of like types of shadow people, um, you know, are they evil? There's a video out there on, um, you know, are they extraterrestrials? All of that wonderful stuff. I, some of my full presentations, I like mentioning Ocean State Paracon <laughs> with Carl asking that question, that's up there. Um, so you can check out all of that stuff on the Hunter Road Media YouTube channel. Um, and like I said, the playlist is right right there on that main page. So uh, you don't have to dig down through the playlist tab. It's 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 right up there. Um, yeah, lots of information out there on Shadow People. Of course, there is A Walk in the Shadows, a complete guide to Shadow People. I've put the link down in the description. Quarantine Ghost is sharing out all kinds of links down there as well. So I appreciate that. And um, yeah, this is this is a topic I've said it before. We will keep revisiting this topic on occasion. I know I hit you guys up with a lot of it when the book came out, and over the you know past several years, I've put out a lot of material on this. But we will keep revisiting this because there are go back to the connected universe idea and all of that. I think a lot of this phenomenon is very much related. A lot of it is interdimensional, but everything in the universe is connected anyway and this is really just kind of a launching pad into so many other topics um i had the question today of you know what i'm working on as far as like a writing project <clears throat> and if i had you know like even a blurb for it yet or not it's like i'm just like really getting into it right now because um there's so much research going into this particular book i mean i'm really just in research mode on it um as i put out other people's books and the shadow person aspect of it is just this much of all of this other stuff that's going on in the universe. So it's, it's going to be a really deep book. This is kind of like the primer for it to get you ready for the other stuff that's coming. And so we'll keep talking about a lot of these things as, as we keep going along. So appreciate everybody hanging out and... Um, sharing their experiences. The questions were great. Absolutely enjoyed it. So let's go ahead and get to the shout outs and wrap this up. So again, thank you, Quarantine Ghost, for handling the questions, sending the links, giving cookies down there, <laughs> all kinds of stuff.